Hello, and welcome to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps. I am your host, Felicia Jimenez, and I am so excited for our guest today. I am on with Miss Ezene Dawson. Say hey for the folks. Hey. <laughs> all right, guys, today we are going to be talking all about midwifery. Okay, so if you don't know nothing about it, you're going to learn today. We both are because I have all the questions in the world. Um, and another thing, if you are a if you are a non-birthing person, I don't care where you are in your life. If you're like, I'm too old. I ain't having no more kids. I don't ever want to have kids. Um, you are still around people who are going to be having kids. So I need you to listen because this knowledge is something that you can give to them, um, especially yeah. within our community. So I'm so excited. I'm just going to listen. I'm diving in like immediately. OK, so I'm ready. Uh, Yes. Hey, Black Joy and Bootstraps, the podcast that you really need. Helping my Black community. Good vibes, good energy. Black Joy and Bootstraps, talk financial literacy, love and education. Want to see my people elevated. Yeah. Miss Ezene, how, how many years have you been doing midwifery now? Okay, so I've been doing midwifery for almost going on five years. So, but I've attended like over 200 births. Um, I've had six children of my, five of my own and one as a surrogate. Um, and yeah, I've just been doing that. My first birth that I attended was when I was 15 years old. So, um, but that, that was as, that was my mother birthing my baby sister. So I've been around birth for a long time, but made a profession um, within the last couple of years and got my certified professional midwifery certification this past summer. So yeah. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. <laughs> like I have Thanks. never attended any birth except for my own with my daughter and it was C-section. So I'm going to learn all the things from you today. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, but let's get started. You know, I always start very basic. Tell us what is a midwife and what are their functions? Like, what do you even do? Okay. All right. So basic, a midwife is a trained birth profession professional. Um, so her purpose is really just to help a healthy woman birth during labor. So when I say healthy, I'm talking low risk. Um, and after we also do prenatal care and postpartum care, and we also do well women care. So our training is very expansive. We also care for the newborn. So a midwife does all the things there, there is um, a very big difference between a midwife and some other professions like a doula. So a midwife is a trained health professional and a doula is a trained health companion or a birth companion is what I would say, or a companion. So um, when we're talking about midwives, we're talking about somebody who has the ability to, to um, in their scope of practice, the ability to listen for fetal heart tones, um, diagnose certain things going on in the pregnancy. We can do cervical exams. We can actually deliver the baby, check blood pressure, pulse, um, oxygen levels, know what's going on with your your um your 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 whole female reproductive system if you're having like infections if you're having unsightly discharge or foul odors we're going to tell you what's going on with that you know so a midwife covers all the things um that you can consider when you talk when you're thinking about birth and preparing for birth and gotcha. just yeah so when we're talking about like um background of midwives right um do you, what do you, what does it take to become a midwife? Like, what is the training like for that or schooling? Okay. So there are actually different types of midwives. So there's traditional midwives. I'm going to start with that because traditional midwives are the ones that are the most under attack. Um, and traditional midwives 
they're the ones who gained the knowledge and the wisdom from elders in their community. And it's passed mm. on culturally. Um, so when we're thinking about traditional midwives, think about granny midwives from the South or grand midwives from the South. They would be considered traditional midwives because they bring in the knowledge and the wisdom of the ancestors, the, the knowledge of the herbs and the plants. They bring in cultural traditions, whether it's praying or, you know, certain certain um, aspects of mid midwifery, like um, uh, just the way you care for the baby or like if you're tying down the, be the belly button of the baby or they will do everything. They'll make sure you have the herbs that, you know, it's very, um, um, the best way to describe it is, is very reminiscent of the way midwifery was in biblical times, right? Okay. So we're talking very about- Very primitive. Yes, yes, yes. But primitive, I hate the word primitive because people it, always use it negatively. So like it has like this negative connotation, but the truth is primitive as in a good way, like it's going back to our roots and what the exactly, original origin. Exactly, right. So they're going to tell you like, what, what did your family eat? What are the foods that you eat? That's mm -hmm. the food that you need to help in your pregnancy so you can maintain the healthiness, right? So mm -hmm. they're going to encourage you to go back to what is, um, what are your roots? Like with black people, we, we do okra, we do um, sweet potatoes, yams, and all of that is really powerful for the body and building up and preparing for a baby. You know, um, in, in traditional Asian cultures, there's a lot of soups and ginger and, and they do traditional Chinese medicine. So they, they have that knowledge. They have the wisdom of what is beneficial for the body. Um, so a traditional midwife, like again, that, that knowledge is very much passed on um, you, you can get trained as an apprentice. Um, That's beautiful. There's, yeah, and there's no certification. Like you wouldn't have to go through the, the state to say, this is who I am. So we, they don't acknowledge the certification that way. There are also certified professional midwives, certified midwives in CNM. So certified professional midwife, which is what I am, also does traditional midwifery incorporated with the medicalized um, and so with the, the difference is that we have to go through a training, we have to sit for an exam, we have to do clin demonstrate clinical skills, um, we have to be able to be trained with CPR, neonatal resuscitation, but it's kind of a marriage of westernized and traditional uh, practice and midwifery. And you have to be certified by sitting for an eight hour exam, right? After, mm. after years of working with... Um, a preceptor, a particular preceptor, you can have multiple preceptors, but also a CPM can choose to do one of two methods. They can do an apprenticeship model where they're trained by that preceptor and then they sit for the exam or they can go through a, a MEEK accredited education, which is an actual midwifery school. Some of them are online and some of them are brick and mortar schools. So uh, the, the, the benefit of that is there's a lot of the books learning. So you get all the books knowledge as well as the hands-on clinical and traditional knowledge. So it's a really big, um, big training. It's a really big training and that can last three to five years. Wow. So I kind of did that I did that route and I did it with two preceptors. And so, um, I did it within the th within three years, and I just recently sat for my exam this past summer. So um, nice! Congratulations yeah. on that. That's awesome. Thank you, thank you. And then there's the certified nurse midwives. Most most certified nurse midwives will choose to birth, um, to deliver babies in the hospital. Not all, but um, like in the state of Hawaii, any CNMs, most of the CNMs birth 
are, if you want a CNM, they birth in the hospitals. The difference with the CNM is they go through nursing school, which is a little bit longer process. So they're certified as a nurse before they become a midwife. They still have to practice under an OB for the most part. Mm. And so the end all say generally goes to the OB. Whereas with a CPM, if you're choosing to birth, okay, and here's another thing. CPMs generally will work um, one-on-one and do home births and come to your home for a delivery and, or will work in a birth center or own birth centers, open birth centers. So you can come to them to birth the baby. Um, and a CNM, like I said, they can choose to birth in the hospital, out of the hospital, but it depends on the laws of the state. Um, and then also for the most part, we'll see them in the hospitals working under a doctor. So now their training is pretty extensive and it's a lot longer. It's a long path. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's just a lot. It's a different path. And some people feel confident and feel more comfortable being able to do it that way and feel comfortable working in a hospital setting, which is, you know, you just got to find your comfort level. A CNM doesn't always have the traditional knowledge, though. Mm, so, okay. whereas I would make an herbal iron tonic for somebody who has low iron. One of my clients, I make an herbal tonic made out of certain herbs, which increases their um, iron levels like a point a week versus in the hospital with a CNM, if she notices your iron is low, she's gonna prescribe you a pill, an iron pill. Um, and so, you know, some people <laughs> prefer the iron because, or the liquid version because it's absorbable and sometimes iron pills are, uh, can cause constipation. So, I mean, it's just a different school of thought. It's a different training, more medicalized. So, and then, you know, yeah, so you got the CNMs, CPMs, CMs, and then there's this whole thing about licensed midwives, LMs. So it's really um, interesting because state by state, it's not the same. You're going to have a different type of midwife. So in the state of Hawaii, I'm really involved in the legislative process. Interesting. Not that we're here okay. just for that. And so, but just so you know, we're working to have like a rec uh, recognition between traditional CPMs and CNM the different types of midwives so that we all are seen because honestly the woman has the right to her choice of who's going to be attending her birth. Gotcha. And if we criminalize or make illegal some midwives that puts certain women at a higher risk for concern uh, in their birth, because they're going to still choose the woman they feel the most comfortable or the provider that they feel the most comfortable with. And very often if there's a family connection, they're going to choose to be with uh, a traditional midwife or a CPM, you know, depending on who it is. Um, so you'll see that state by state, the law is not the same. A state that has a really good job with honoring every type of midwife is Utah and Minnesota. They really actually incorporate all those midwives really beautifully. So that when you're trying, deciding, hey, I might want to consider birthing at home or considering, consider my different options for birth. Mm -hmm. You can take a look and see, oh, this person's a traditional midwife. And you know, with a traditional midwife, they don't necessarily carry something called legend drugs. So they don't carry like Pitocin or oxygen, but they do herbs, which can do, which basically can, you know, stop bleeding or, you know, homeopathics that can help the baby with their breathing processes to, to normalize them. Verse, yes. So, <laughs> Sorry, no, you're fine. No, that's perfect because this is, I mean, this is all the information that I need. My question though, when you say, so earlier you were talking about birthing centers and home and the hospital, right? right? So when we're dealing with midwives, um, what, like, can I have a midwife? Like, can you deliver me at a hospital? Okay. 
I don't have privileges to deliver you in the hospital. Okay. If you are a CNM, then the yes. likelihood of having privileges in the hospital would be greater. So gotcha. Um, can you tell me, because again, I'm kind of stuck on that because it was such a good like little piece. So um, can you tell me what are the benefits of doing it at home or the birthing center? Like walk us through a birthing center. What does that even look like? Okay. Like I've all seen right. them because I follow you on Instagram and all the things and I'm like, uh-huh. yo, this is so awesome. But like for someone <laughs> who's never seen it, like what does that look like? What does that feel like? So for a birthing center, it's, it's a, it's a, it could be a home or it could be like a dedicated facility outside of the hospital where women go um, or birthing people go specifically just for birth. Usually they're ran by midwives. And so um, if they have a really high volume of people, it's a really great idea to have a birthing center because then, you know, multiple people could be in different rooms at the birthing center at the same time. Um, they have them set up. They'll have them set up in different ways where they have like birthing tubs or they'll have like pulley systems where you can be pulling while in labor or you know everything is just committed to the birth and they make it a more homey feel it's not as hospitalized so you don't have all the beeping machines you don't have all the craziness as you would in a hospital um so it's more of a homey feel with the birthing center um the other benefit of the birthing center is that if there are multiple women birthing at the same time, you're going to be, you're, you'll know your midwife is like right there, like in a, mm. maybe in another room or close by. So gotcha. with the home birth though, we bring the birthing center to you. Okay. So the beauty of the birthing center coming to you is that um, we come with, with a cert, with a certified professional midwife, we'll bring the oxygen, we'll bring the pitocin, but we'll also bring our herbs and we'll use our homeopathics, all of our natural remedies. Um, and then your home is already set up. So we usually will come to you like about four weeks before you deliver, about 36 weeks. We always do a home visit. We make sure all of your supplies are there, um, whatever you need. We'll bring you at the birth tub. We, we you know, we'll bring... Um, herbs for the postpartum and we also can suture if you happen to tear so in your home you're already in your own environment Mm -hmm. you feel the safest at home you're in your own germs at home um and the baby's not i mean you know some people are like oh i've i've heard some people think oh birth needs to be sterile no it doesn't it doesn't have to be sterile the baby's going to be taken home to this environment anyways it is our the family's already exposed to whatever germs are in their home interesting so yeah, so it's like, this is the environment that baby already knows and the mother is already exposed to, the family's already exposed to. It's not going to be anything, you know, und- different or unusual. So the birthing at home becomes, becomes um, beneficial in that you already have your own, your own, you know that you're going to be sleeping in your own bed. You get to have whatever food you want to eat because we are talking about in labor, you eat, you eat Listen. and you drink. You saying that is like for real triggering for me because I, okay, so Friday night, let me tell you, I had my daughter on Sunday, Friday, um, they were scheduling my, um, they were scheduling to induce me that Saturday. So the next day, well, I started laboring on my own that morning. I go to the hospital contractions. I, I, oh my gosh, I was dying. Like, uh, and I'm in Idaho, right? They have like no black people, none. Ooh, I was just about right. to say, girl. Right. Um, so I was in Idaho. Um, we were, you know, at university. So it, anyway, that's a whole other topic. But we get there, they give me the Pitocin, they, you know, break my water, all the things. Um, and my, like all these things, but I was in labor for 30 plus hours and didn't eat 
anything. I okay, was first of all. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to cut no, you off. No, please go. Charge me up. Do all the things. It's fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had no knowledge, so this is why understand? this is important to me. Hmm. So the thing is important that people don't recognize is you are literally in labor, and it's the equivalent of running Correct. a marathon. Hello. Like, like you're hello. literally your body. Do you know what your body is going through to birth that baby? If you know the amount of liquid <clears throat> it requires to stay hydrated and food it requires to fuel your body. So anytime I have a mother, especially if it's her first time birthing a baby and it's normal to go anywhere between 24 to 40, you know, labor for first time moms is long. And mm-hmm. that's normal because the baby hasn't passed through that passageway before. But the thing is this, when your early labor contractions start, my instructions to my clients are eat, drink, sleep, Girl. eat, drink, sleep, pee and poop. Yeah. There, there's no business. Cause if you didn't get it ready already by now, there's no, there's no point trying to run around and do all this, you know, extra stuff, but you know, Girl, I was in that hospital eating them damn ice chips, those flavored ice chips that they gave me. They were like putting like blueberry or whatever on it. I was y'all like for all of y'all listening. And I know that many of y'all are like nodding your heads and agreeing because you've either seen it or experienced it. But I was starving and I was so weak and, and like later on. So this was six years ago. I had my daughter in 2015. And so, um, Right immediately after is when all those studies started coming out about how now they're allowing you to eat during labor because you need the energy and all these things. And I, y'all, I was, I was like, I knew it. Like my body did not have the energy at all to late. Like I stayed at an eight dilated. Um, they kept like coming in and then like Sunday, it was Sunday afternoon when the doctor came in and was like, listen, we're just going to do a C-section. Like we got to do a C-section. Like it's a wrap, you know? And I was like, okay. And so this actually is leading me because I know you're shaking your head like, oh, hell no. (laughs) But this is leading me to my next question. So can, if you have already had a child, natural or C-section, specifically C-section for this question though, can you do VBACs as a midwife? Like, tell me all the things, because in case I so get... let me tell you. Yes, I'll give, I got a great answer for you. Yes, you can. <laughs> okay, so, okay. But some states... So this is where there's this, like, conflict with a licensed midwife. So some states okay. will make it um, that licensed midwives cannot carry out a VBAC or cannot, you know, deliver a mom who's a, a VBAC. Hawaii does not have that restriction. So I can, and I just had one yesterday. Let me tell you her story because it's such a powerful story. She, she, her, her last baby was born about 10 years ago and she was in labor. She, she did the same thing. She went in early. They told her, oh, it's early, but you can stay. They, um, you know, she wanted to go natural and all this stuff. But eventually they were like, well, maybe you should just, you know, push it for the C-section, push it. You know, they wouldn't let her eat. They're doing all this stuff. They're like, well, if you don't get the epidural, if you don't do this, then we won't let your mom in the room. So there's all these different threats. And so finally she starts listening to them. And finally they're like, okay, well, you got to do the C-section. She gets on the operating table for the C-section. And the doctor decides to check her one last time. And when he checks her, she's 10 centimeters. They're like, oh, you're 10 centimeters. Okay, we're still going to do the C-section. They went through. What? I thought that's what they needed. I thought, I mean, I am no doctor. Girl. I am no nurse. I am no midwife. No, but so you get there's a lot of false, there's a lot of times you'll be in the hospital. And if you have a hospital, the doctor that or an OB that has a time crunch or doesn't really have your best interest in mind, which especially when talking about women of color, because she's a woman of color, mm-hmm. we're gonna have a hard, we're gonna have a harder time having our needs met or being heard 
you're going to see that there's a higher incident instance of C-sections and higher incidence of maternal mortality. Anyways, so this woman was like so fired up. She ended up with like secondary infertility and all this stuff. And they they were basically telling her she couldn't have any more babies. She ended up being pregnant, mind you. So she's had a C-section. She got pregnant. She had just moved to Hawaii. She was friends with my sister. And she decided, she was like, she, my sister told her all about me. So she met up with me and she was like, her and her husband were like, oh, this sounds like what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Mind you, she hadn't told her OB that she was going to be doing this. So her last appointment with her OB, the OB was like, oh, I have to advise against it because um, this, 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 and this. You're going to bleed out. Do you know the likelihood is 1% of uterine rupture? uterine rupture this is because when you give pitocin to a woman who's had a, a c-section in the past it's tar- harder contractions the contractions are too hard so when mm. you're augmenting a labor and you've had a, uh, a c-section in the past your lo- your likelihood of a uterine rupture will increase at home we don't augment labor we let your body do it naturally so your body wow. knows exactly how to do it she had a beautiful baby birth yesterday nine pounds 13 ounces oh my god i was like girl <laughs> She didn't know. She was, she was she, when I got there, her water had just broken and it was just so perfect because really what the body needs is a lot of confidence and breathing techniques, breathing and support. Mm-hmm. It gets intense. Yeah. Natural birth is intense. But let me tell you, her after she got, had that baby and got up and washed, she's like, oh, the recovery is so much easier than a C-section. Yep. She's like, I feel great. She felt so great that she could stand up and walk and, you know, you know, I didn't have her carry the baby, but she was like, I could do all the things. I said, don't do all the things. This is your time to rest and let your body start recovering. But it just, it's a different mentality when you're being told in the hospital, you're likely going to die if you do it this way, or you're likely going to bleed out if you do it this way. And then you have a midwife on the side saying, we're going to do it this way and you're going to be just fine. Okay. So that story just reminded me, um, well, actually it's just a perfect segue. How about that? So people are scared of midwives right? We're scared of y'all. Like we are like, right. We're like, if it's not a doctor, if it's not a nurse, like, and your story just said that. And that's because so many of them have, and they have instilled that fear in us. Right. So what do you say? Um, or like, what are some common misconceptions of midwifery? Like, what do you feel? So let me tell you why people are scared of midwives before I go into the common misconceptions. Sure. Do we, do we want to talk about back in, um, early, early American times, let's talk about slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, midwives were the ones birthing all the babies. They were birthing mm-hmm. the slave, the slave babies. And they were also birthing white people's babies. Baby, they birthing and nursing. Birthing and nursing. All of that. Mm-hmm. All of that. They had the wisdom. They had the knowledge. They were, they were wise. But not only that, the community depended on them for all of their health needs as well. So it's like, oh, baby, baby boy is sick. Let's go to the midwife. She'd give you the herbs to help with the fever and bring down the fever. So all the things, this was ancestral knowledge. This was what they brought with them from Africa. And this is what they shared and continued to thrive, right? Mm-hmm. So this knowledge is being passed around. And, you know, women with, with Black people, when we have that, you know, that power, it can be intimidating for other folks. Come on now. And so <laughs> let, let's just talk about it because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. When women, Black women are powerful, when we all rise up, when we're doing the things, when we're doing all the things, it's intimidating. Right. So- so there became this mission to criminalize the grand midwives or the granny midwives, make it, making them seem. And so when white doctors decided, oh, wait, we can start doing this too. Let's get a monopoly on this. Well, how do they get people to stop going to these black midwives? We start telling them how dirty they are. 
We start talking about how they spread disease. We start talking about how they kill babies. We start talking about all these different things. They're spreading all this knowledge into the communities. This is what people are starting to believe. The, the propaganda is already out there. So wow. we got grand midwives being criminalized. Now people are being told how dangerous they are and how rogue they are because they don't have the right cleaning or they can't clean things properly. They, you know, or, you know, all these different things and people are believing it. And this, this knowledge has care has been carried on. Right. So birth shifted from the home to a hospital setting. And with this shift, the belief that midwives didn't know what they were talking about became um became forefront became mm -hmm. oh they're dangerous they're wild they're they have no protocols blah 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 i am so women sick sorry i just had to say this i am so sick of how every single thing the misconceptions like on every episode that i've had damner goes back to slavery right like Girl. this is how this started <laughs> this is how they made us seem like we were crazy or we were dirty or we were this and so that that stereotype, that trope, that okay. all of these things have carried yeah. on. So sorry, I just had to say that, like, because we want to say no. slavery was so long ago. Where did you get over it? Da, da, da. But like that, though, the the residue of that still lives on. Right. Like yeah. we're still yeah. dealing with the consequences of that, even to the fact that we're dying in hospitals. And we're going to talk about that in okay. a second. But go all ahead. Right. Go ahead. Get yourself. I'm, I'm going to get to. <laughs> so even women are like, OK, well, now I've got to go to the hospital to birth my babies. Right. People are dying in the hospitals. They're bleeding out in the hospitals. They're getting experimented on in the hospitals, but still the hospital is the safe place because they have um, different types of drugs that will take away the pain of labor. We don't want to feel the pain. So let's knock the women out, right? So this is what's happening. So people are thinking, it's better to go to the hospital because I can escape from this pain. They'll keep me from feeling this pain and I'll be safe. Mm -hmm. This has become the prevalent belief in this Western community, in this Western um, world that we live in, and in, in in especially in the United States. So some folks recognize that, okay, it's not very much safe to have these babies in the hospital, in the hospitals. So midwifery started to be born back again, home birthing, midwifery and midwives started to be birthed back again in the early, like in the seventies, like sixties, seventies, these big movements by white women. Mm -hmm. So now it becomes a luxurious thing to be able to have your baby at home mm. and with a white midwife. Mm -hmm. So if you take a look at the re-emergence of home birth and midwifery care, now you'll see the majority of women that are doing this type of work are white women. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it costs money. I mean, it's not as expensive as birthing in a hospital, but of course insurance covers that. But if you don't have money to pay them out of pocket, then you can't have that experience. Let me tell you, home birth is luxurious and every woman deserves a home birth, black, white, no matter what. But now mm -hmm. it's like the stigma attached to it. So now there's the fear, the, you know, we don't want women birthing out of the hospital because now we're losing the money, right? right? There's the money part because C-sections cost a lot of money if we can get a woman to have a C-section and it's on the time schedule for the doctor. That doctor doesn't have to stay overnight waiting to see if this woman's going to deliver. So I, I just want to say this too, and I have to shout out to um, Benoni from my first episode of this season because you literally just reiterated what he said. He was like, if we don't go back to our roots, if you don't go back to your African traditions, white people will come learn it and then teach it to you and sell it And to tell you. you it was their idea to begin and tell with. tell you it was theirs. Ah! And so- 
literally yeah. you just sparked that because I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what you just said, right? This was us. We did yeah. this. And then you said, yeah. no, you got to bring it to the hospital. And now yeah. the luxury is, and that's what you see. If you, when you, um, put in midwifery or a midwife or whatever in Instagram, you'll see all the white people. You see all of yeah. them, you know, um, doing a, 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 the same that you just said with the herbs and all the things they're in their homes. So, I mean, you are absolutely correct in that. Yeah. That just blows my mind. So let's, yeah. okay, sorry, the misconceptions. And then I, girl, I have all the, I'm still, we're not even halfway through my questions because I got a million, <laughs> but what are some of the misconceptions that we have? So we got through that, the stereotypes of it being dirty, right? Or not sterile, whatever, all the fear of that. But what are some other misconceptions that people have? So let me tell you, when we transfer to a hospital, some of the nurses will say things like, oh, that was a lay midwife. Okay. What does that mean? Like to them, mm -hmm. a lay midwife, somebody means that somebody is not trained. They don't know what they're doing. So that misconception is that a midwife does not have the knowledge or does not have the training to care for certain things. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you something. If we bring a woman to the hospital, it's because she has now become out of our scope. Would it make sense for us to keep her at home? No, it would make sense to transport at this point to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Now, and it's wiser to do that than to keep her at the home and say, oh, we're gonna figure this out. But it becomes this misconception that we're, we're taking on all these high risk women, which, I absolutely would not take a high risk or out of, you know, somebody that's not, that's out of the normal range of what we say pregnancy. So like if somebody's got preeclampsia and things like that, we're not taking that, that person. We're going to recommend you to birth in the hospital. So home birth is for a normal, normal, healthy um, birthing person. Mm. It is not recommended for those who are out of the range of normal, right? Okay. So if you have like um, pre-existing conditions like the, um, like diabetes or, you know, high risk, um, STDs, things like that. We would recommend the birth in the hospital. Okay. Um, history of, of, um, history of loss or like, uh, MS, things like that. There's a lot of, there's the gotcha. different things that would preclude you from birthing in the, at home. But I'm going to tell you probably about 90% of women are perfectly healthy and can birth at home. So, Sometimes you'll have a person who's like, oh, I was told that my cervix doesn't dilate. Oh, I was told that I that can't was me. go on. That was definitely me. I was told that my labor doesn't know how to start on its own. Mm -hmm. So you're now getting into a range of like, that's not, that doesn't mean you can't birth at home. It just means somebody told you that you can't do something when you really can do something. You just need the right support to know how to do it, Right. There are herbs that help your labor start. There are herbs that help your labor dilate. dilate. And you just need to have a person that, that trusts your body and, tr and knows how the body works biologically and isn't out to make money off of you by doing a C-section. Can so, I say something to add yeah. on to that? Um, yeah. I was talking to one of my friends who also gave birth in the same hospital, same city in Idaho. Um, so I was talking to a friend of mine and she had, we're, we're saying, I'm telling her how I had a C-section. Um, and she tells me she has two boys. She had one there and she's saying how she also had a C-section. And she said, you know, and the majority of the people who have their um, children there, to be honest, are very young. It's a, it's an LDS, it's a religious community. Um, yeah. And so a lot of us were in our twenties. I say young, but I mean, twenties, you know? Um, no, and so she was like, you know, Felicia, almost everyone that I talked to that went to the hospital had a C-section. And Bing. I was like, bada bing, bada boom. 
I'm said, like, what do you mean? She's like, no, like I'm talking to my friends and they're like, yeah, I had a C-section. I had a C-section. I had a C-section. And unless it was our friends who um, they just had like their bodies just did what it, they were supposed to do immediately. And they just popped those babies out within yep. a couple hours, yep. you know? Yeah. Um, yep. But so many of us, um, we went there and then, I mean, again, like all of this entire conversation, I was at an eight for over a day, you know, like for over 24 hours, I was dilated to an eight and they just kept checking and being like, nope, like they, I just wasn't going anywhere. And I was so weak. I was, it was miserable. Gosh, Mm -hmm. there's so many things that come into place psychologically when we talk about, um, when we talk about why it takes, why, why, why it would be necessary for a C-section or why you're still at an eight. Does the mom feel safe? Is her mm-hmm. body hydrated? Does she have enough food in her system? Like, but all of those it, things are no for me. They were a no for me. Like right. I and and um because of that, I just want to transition to the next question because you you hit it. Like we know, like I knew going in that black women were four times, you know, according to some studies, more likely to die during childbirth. I am yeah. in this facility where I was the only black woman in the entire hospital that was giving birth. Um and to be honest, probably the only one that was probably going to do it that entire week or for a couple of weeks, like there weren't very many of us, um, in this, in this town. And so all of those answers that you just named, I can say, no, no, no. Right. Was mm-hmm. did I feel safe? Was I, well, I was starving. I was dehydrated. I was all the things, but like, can you tell us why? And we girl, we didn't hit on it, but I just want people to, I just needed to be reiterated. Why, why is that statistic the way it is? Like what is happening with black women? Mm-hmm. It was black women. Why is it happening? There's so many reasons. There's I I, I could I, this is a whole nother podcast but podcast by itself. <laughs> we need a part you. two <laughs> and three. <laughs> it's devastating, um, especially as a black midwife and seeing, and I'm gonna tell you right now, I do serve women of all backgrounds, especially um, but black women seek our team out. We're a black midwifery team because of the um the treatment that they receive in the hospital. So we could talk about um, the way that caregivers or hospital providers are biased towards black women. Mm. They, they, they might not, um, they might treat them poorly based off of previous um, experiences or whatever their biases are. Um, We could also talk about just location. Like, are we in a, are we in a place where they're not served um, where the community is not very well served or there's not resources there. Um, we could talk about, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, I did a whole, I did a whole, um, lesson about this, our whole talk about this with the Mormon women for ethical government. Um, because, um, When we just when we talk about uh, implicit bias, like it comes to play a lot of times. Mm-hmm. There is a book called Medical Apartheid that talks about this. It talks about uh, iatrogenic um, care because mm-hmm. black people they're not they don't feel comfortable. Um, the history of midwifery care. If we talk about Henrietta Lacks and mm. the you know the 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 way that uh, the person who did developed modern day obstetrics would treat black women without any anesthesia for cysta cells and rectus cells, literally operating on them without any anesthesia because we don't feel pain. Right. And that, and that happens. That still happens. There's still that bias, right? Um, we've, I've had women in the hospital where we have told this, the providers, 
because she had to go and deliver in the hospital. She's a victim of sexual trauma. She's a black woman, victim of sexual trauma. She, she wants to deliver her baby vaginally. The vaginal exam needs to be extremely gentle because when we worked with her, we were able to complete a vaginal exam and she had been dilating. But when the doctor came in, it was an Asian person. Um, and we gave them that information before they came into the room because we were there kind of like protecting her, her birthing space. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh yeah, we understand. And they literally went in there and jammed their fingers up here. No, nothing, no caution, no, wow. no so. And the woman screamed and we just, we made sure that that doctor did not come back into that, that woman's room. Like wow. we stayed out and we're like, she does not want you back in this room. You literally raped her on the table after we gave you all the information about her and her history and her background. So it's like they they hear it, but they don't care. There's no care there. Right. I mean, you can even talk about Serena Williams. And she, I was just going to bring it up. Yep. Amen. Right? And, mm-hmm. and she's a person that people talk about all the time because mm-hmm. she's a famous celebrity. She's a black woman. And she was told, telling them something's going on. She knows her body, but they didn't listen. And she nearly died. If it wasn't for her husband intervening, mm-hmm. she probably would have, you know, who knows what would have happened. I've been in the hospital with my own mother when she, when I was 15 years old and I watched as they try to tell her different things. They told her, oh, this isn't happening. This da, 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 da. And my mother, who is a strong African woman, looked at the nurses and said, I'm not leaving this hospital. This baby's coming today. Um, and she stayed. And I was 15 watching this and being like, watching oh. a black woman advocate for herself in a way that right, was but not understanding. Right. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand it at the time. But I was like, why is she not listening to the doctors? The doctors know it's right. And as I grew up and became a woman, I really I realized she knew what was happening with her body, but they didn't want to listen. And mm-hmm. she was right. She had that baby a couple hours later. It was my baby sister. And I was there. I was so grateful to witness it because that set me on this journey. Mm-hmm. Like watching my powerful black mother being tried, try to be controlled, try to be told what she needed to do with her body mm-hmm. and being able, she wasn't there with my father. It was just me. It was just yeah. me there with her. And I was just like, I don't know how she's going to do it. But most women don't have that type of support. And don't have that type of um, um, ability to to stand their ground in the hospital setting. So when you and there's the white coats and so the list goes on and on. So the white coat, there's all these different things. And you know, you walk into a hospital room, and if you're a black woman, and if you're slightly overweight, they're already assessing you. She's got gestational diabetes. She's at risk for this. Da 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 da. And they're already going to start telling you you're this 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 likelihood of this. Let's plan an induction. Right. Is gestational diabetes when you have to drink that like super sweet, the is that or is that the glucose that's test? A, that's Some, yeah, yeah, something. That's, that is the test that determines whether or not you have gestational diabetes when you drink the glucose. Right? Yeah. Okay. I think right. that was determined when I when I was pregnant. I think that's what happened to me too. Do you, do you have a history of fa- um of family members with gestational diabetes or diabetes at all? I am not, well, diabetes, yes. Um, my father had diabetes, like my whole um, paternal side of the family and many on my maternal as well. You know, black folks, stop playing. You know, we all got the sugar. Well, well, here's the thing. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. I've had clients that have it, but we manage it with diet. But also right. the other thing is, but you don't necessarily have to have it. Like if you go in and you're, you're told that you're gonna, you got to drink this drink, right? Mm-hmm. The morning of, you need to have a high protein diet. Like you don't go and eat eating sugar. You don't go in there because you got sugar on top of sugar. Your body's going to be all over the place, right? Right. Mm-hmm. 
These so, are the things nobody tells you. Nobody tells you. Nobody me about tells them. you, right, right? I mean, I'm sure I didn't wake up and eat a, a cinnamon roll, but like maybe you know, a, maybe cereal, right? I, I was gonna say too. My entire and what what at what point do they do that test? Like, what trimester are you in? Do you you're in your second trimester? So that's what it is. Okay, so my my second and third trimester, y'all. This is so. This, like this is so stereotypical y'all better not judge me but my second and third <laughs> trimester all I did was a watermelon I don't even like watermelon Ooh. like that all Ooh. I did like it's all I craved it's all I wanted in my first tri- my first trimester I threw up every day Everything. all day you were and dehydrated so, and watermelon is extremely hydrated and I threw up water I threw up water like uh, in my first yeah. trimester it was very bad and so my yeah. second trimester I, my body just craved it I needed it and so I ate yeah. watermelon all day but I mean I'm assuming that the day that I went in that's probably what I ate you know what I mean right, like right right, so right. I'm eating sugar regardless as to whether or not it's good for you or not you know what I'm saying it's still oh, yeah true. that's so, totally That'll totally spike your sugar, of course. So, I mean, but that's the thing. So that's the thing, like, you have a knowledge of what your body needs, like intuitively mm-hmm. during pregnancy, um, but that's dismissed in the medical in the medical setting, right? right? So it's like, you can go in and say, you know, da, 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 and you're not going to be told, well, this is probably happening because of this. Let's try to fix it with something natural. Let's right. give you some electrolytes. Let's get you some lemon water with a little bit of sea salt. And that helps your, your cells to absorb um, the liquid so that you're actually hydrated. So you're not, you know, the same thing with like crunching ice, like you're having this crunching ice because you need iron, right? So there's mm-hmm. different things your body's trying to tell you and communicate, but you're not, you're walking into a hospital or a, um, a medical setting where they're going to say, let's try this pill or let's try this fix, or you're mm-hmm. probably already this because you're black right you're the, the stereotype is set it's already there mm-hmm. you know so we have to be as midwives we are very careful of looking at the woman and seeing the whole picture mm-hmm. this is not just about numbers we're looking at the whole picture what's her diet like what's her family support like what it, so we can't we can't separate any of that Okay, so as an A, you said something that um, I really want to like hit on because you're I'm in Texas, you're in Hawaii, and I know that it's going to be different state by state, but I still want to ask. So you said it's a luxury, but when we're talking about midwifery and doing an at-home birth or a birthing center, what are we looking at as far as cost? Like okay, what are so, you, what's the range? Mm-hmm. Okay, so State by state, is there's going to be a, a different range um, or depending on the state you're in. Right now in Hawaii, we're starting about 4,500 to about 7,500. Oh, yeah. okay. That's not horrible. And I thought you were about to tell me like 10 to 15, 15 to 20. I thought no, you were going to tell me something intense. Okay. No, no. Well, and the other thing is most midwives will offer a payment plan. So you can split that up and you can pay, pay after the baby's born. Also, some midwives, especially like our, we want to make it accessible to all. So, you know, if you if you are having struggles financially, we also offer sliding scale mm. so that it's affordable and accessible. So if you talk to your midwife and they um, and you, you know, let them know your story, we believe most midwives believe that a woman is entitled to the birth of her choice. Right. And so that philosophy, when you're thinking about the midwives model of care, that philosophy makes it so that we want to make it possible for you to birth at home or have the birth that you want to have. So um, 
around the country, I know that that's probably within the range. I know maybe at places that are like, that have a lower cost of living, you can do about 3,500, 2,500. Um, I know California can be higher, probably around 7,500. That's a little, little more, the, the more, um, more seen rate. So, yeah. So interesting. And mm-hmm. I just, for some reason, I mean, when I think of it, just like you said earlier that you got a surrogate, I didn't even know normal people had surrogates because I thought this was like this. I mean, I just have, I don't know even how to explain that, but we're talking about birthing. And when you said that, I was like, oh, like, I didn't know I have friends that have money to have surrogates. Like, I know I have friends that are surrogates, but I, I, I don't have. I, I would have never do a surrogate. I, I was a surrogate. I carried a baby. Oh, you like, were. Okay. I was yes. like, I have friends that are surrogates, but I'm yeah, like, am I, do I have rich friends like this? <laughs> no, <laughs> do I, I know rich people. No, 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 no. No, I mean, the family was definitely a family that they had money, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done it just because they had money. I did it because yeah. they were good people. I've been trying to have babies for like oh, a long time. And That's she beautiful. That so. is so beautiful. Um, okay, so you have told us so much. And I, I love this because I can tell like how passionate you are. That's my favorite thing. Like when <laughs> your passion just like exudes through the inner, like I love that. Um, let's talk about your favorite part. Because I just, what is your favorite part of midwifery? Like what do you what do you love? Like, cause I can tell you love it all, but okay. just give me something. There's so many parts. There's so many parts. Like, okay. So my, one of my, the first part for me is, okay. So for example, this woman who birthed me yesterday, the first thing she said is I cannot wait to tell the doctor that I did this at home and had no issues. There was mm. nothing. So I love a woman being able to say, I did this. And that face, the look, Amen. I did mm-hmm. this because there, there has been for so long a fear of birth because it's painful. Yes, it's intense. I'm not going to take that away. And, 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 it, and especially if mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, you've, been tra- you've experienced trauma and you're not prepared for birth, for birth. Women who or people who birth their babies that have gone through their trauma, have healed from their trauma, have opened up to now experiencing birth in this way it is so powerful when you can when you can um refer to birth and the intensity of it as your power not pain Mm. so this woman now is sitting in her power and she understands how incredibly powerful she is and she knows nobody can tell her nothing right i just had a whole baby in my bed and in my home and i'm and i'm good what are you gonna tell me like like I'm superwoman. The, the, like what you gonna what what can you do to me? You can't do nothing to me. And like, I'm gonna tell you when a, when you have felt how incredibly powerful you are, you you will not stop at anything. So I see the women that I've worked with in the in the past, and I see what their 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 future looks like, right? And because I'm I follow them, a lot of these families I I connect with, and we follow each other on social media. They still reach out to me. They text me. They create businesses. They they leave their abusive relationships. They like nothing can stop them at this point. So right. I feel like birth uh especially birthing at home within your own within your own setting em- empowers them it's not me it's her ability to see something that has been told that she can't do and then walk it through and do it in any ways no one else is ever going to tell her she can't do something wow you know i y'all can like see my eyes like tearing up because you really like hit a few things for me um Ooh, I'm trying to decide if I want to edit this out because you really, this is a very vulnerable moment for me, but I'm just going to go ahead and share it. It 
my daughter's birth was so traumatizing that like I could not <clears throat> let me try to get my voice right again y'all because this Sorry. is real for me like you 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 hit it like it was so traumatizing and it was even more traumatizing to hear people say all the time like when y'all gonna have another one like which we already know like as growing adults right we're we're realizing that that's not an appropriate question to ask people period mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it was so like her birth was so traumatizing for me and that I like, I just didn't even thinking about it. Sometimes when people would say it, I would just, my body, like you are right. That is trauma that you have to heal from because I was like, I don't want any more kids. Like that was such like the starving, the not feeling. And my doctor, like, I want to be very clear. Like my doctor was a very nice man. Like he was Mm. nice, you know, like he Mm -hmm. wasn't like this person that I felt wasn't listening, but I'm just like, I felt like I had my husband, like I passed out. They gave me so much medicine. Like I passed out because I started feeling it during the C-section. Oh Lord. Oh yes. Yeah. So I, I passed out. Um, and then like, I got to kiss my daughter, you know, straight from the womb. And, you know, I didn't learn about like the weighting of the cutting of the umbilical cord and all those things till later. Like, I just didn't know anything y'all. I didn't know anything really about birthing. Like, and when I went to the hospital and nothing was working, my body wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. This wasn't a beautiful experience for me. Like I had gotten the epidural, which stopped the pain, right? You said that, like you people yeah. want that pain stopped. So the pain was stopped. And I was like, okay, like at least that happened. but like nothing worked out after, you know, Mm. like, and when I came to like people that were in my, like my friends and stuff that it came, they had posted pictures of my daughter on Instagram because I wasn't awake before me. Y'all, it was a crazy, like everything was like, like, it was, it was a big deal. Like my, and so like, I just feel like there was so much trauma surrounding it. And so when you're talking about these women who got that second chance and the opportunity to say like, look, or the first chance and they're like, look what I did. And y'all told me I couldn't like, that's a, that's an extremely powerful thing for me just listening to, because I'm like, you, I feel like you have empowered me throughout this episode, you know, like throughout this time together, you have completely empowered me to say like, I could do that again, you know, because baby, I shut down shop. Like I was like, yeah. baby girl, she don't have to be out in the child. Cause <laughs> like that was, and not just that, well, but the pregnancy, like know. everything was traumatizing the pregnancy, yeah. like first trimester. Like I said, I threw up all day, every day. Second trimester oh. was lovely. Third trimester. I'm 411 y'all. For those of you who don't know me in person, I'm 411. Yeah, I'm tiny, sure. not <laughs> tiny. Like I'm not skinny, but, but I'm tiny. Like stature. You better, you right? better like, out here. Huh. Yeah. And, and it was painful and I was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then the birth. So there were just so many things. And I don't mean to like make this about me. Cause I still want it to be informative for everyone. No, but all of this, this is so important for you to, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to touch on a couple of things that you just said as well, because it might not always be traumatic, but like, like you said, you had a great doctor. You, he was nice, right. but he it was wasn't. so nice. So my first bear, my first birth, I planned it a certain way or whatever. I was going to have a water birth. I was like, don't let me get the epidural. I told my husband, because I like, I mean, I knew this stuff. But I didn't really know the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I just was like, so I get there. And then, you know, after having labor forever, I didn't know nothing. I didn't know. I was Girl. like, give me the epidural. Give me the epidural. I got the epidural. But I was not, and it was not an empowering experience. It was so traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm the whole vomiting. I didn't know anything. I still had a vaginal delivery, but it was so traumatizing that when I got mm-hmm. pregnant the next time, my whole body was like, Wah! right, I I right. I lost that baby. The second oh. baby, the third baby I got pregnant with, and it was like, I manifested it because I didn't want it. The third baby, it was the same. I was like, oh gosh, I got to go through this again. 
I had that baby. I went to the hospital and that baby came pretty fast. But at the same time, I was like, it still didn't feel right. Same thing with the third baby. I was like, I went to the hospital. I said, I'm going and I'm going to go get my epidural. I don't care. But then something happened when I found out I was pregnant with my fourth child. I needed to get the baby number four, apparently. Yeah. Four times a charm. I think that's the phrase. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know about that. (laughs) But, but. I recognized when I was delivering my third baby that the hospital people told me the same thing they did to my mother. They're like, you're not in love, but you're not going to have this baby. You probably have a whole weekend. You're not going to have, they did the same thing to my mother. And I was like, whoa, am I my mother? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember thinking, no, this baby's come today. I know how my body works. They sent me out and me and my husband were, and we had left our kids with a babysitter. And I was like, I wanted my kids to be with me to birth this child, to birth this baby. Um, they were like, no, babies can't, your kids can't come and da, 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 This is way before COVID. So I thought it was, you know, legit. Cause my other baby had been with me the last time, the last time I birthed. Anyways, that being said, I had started learning about plants and the power and I was, and I, I and I'm really close to God. So I was like hearing about uh, the herbs and the plants and how to use them. And I was learning. And when I found out I was pregnant with my fourth baby, I was like, I have to have this baby at home. I have to. Mm. And the reason why I have to is because I know that God put power on the earth in these plants. I was using essential oils and I was like, and I know that I need to find a way to utilize this in my birth because all I was going to do was have this baby at the hospital with some pain relief. And I felt strongly that I was not supposed to do that this time. Mm. It was like, use those plants. They're there for a reason. I was like, okay. I told my husband, as soon as I found out, I was was like, we got to have this baby at home. I don't know how we're going to do it. I found a doula, a Hawaiian doula who it was her family tradition to help people birth babies. Wow. And she was incredible. She came to my house every week. She massaged me. She she like talked to me. She just helped me feel comfortable. She's like, I'm gonna be here to help you catch your baby. Let me tell you on my due date, the day I was due to birth that baby, she called me. She had been at, she'd been praying. She had gone to the temple. She was also LDS. She's been praying and praying. And she said, while she was in temple, the 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 strongest impression came that that is not her baby to catch. She is not to catch that baby. So mm. she said, she called me, she started crying and she was like, I'm so sorry. I told you I was going to be there and I still will be there, but you shouldn't have the baby at home unless there's somebody else there. I don't know who it's supposed to be, but I'm not supposed to catch your baby. Interesting. Okay, so I start bawling like, this is changing my whole plan. I know I'm supposed to have this baby out here. I'm not going to the hospital. She's like, just call around. I didn't even know about home birth midwives at this time. This is 2014. I didn't know that they existed, but I called. And the first person that answered the phone was like, call Selena Green. I was like, okay, I don't know who that is. I called another number. The same person said, call Selena Green. Let me tell you about my preceptor. She's a black woman. She's, we would call her a grand midwife. She trained under older midwives, but she also went to a, a brick and mortar school as well. But she came, she, I called her, told her my whole sob story. I was like, I want to have this, you know, I just really didn't know what it was like to have somebody come to my home mm-hmm. to birth this baby. I didn't know that this was a thing. So when I told her the stop story about how I was not planning on going to the hospital and my doula told me she couldn't birth this baby. She was like, I'll be there tomorrow. She wow. said, baby girl, I'll be there tomorrow. So she came. This baby is my stubborn child. And she was 17 days past her due date. So oh my I got gosh. 17 days to know the midwife. I had 17 days to know who, know her. But I knew her. I felt mm-hmm. safe with her. I felt like completely trusted. I completely trusted her. She guided me. The baby was in a posterior position. She taught me all the different herbs and things to uh, methods to get the baby in the in a. Um, we wanted the baby in an anterior position because it does it makes labor easier. Anyways, I got so much wisdom in just seventeen days. Wow. 
not knowing that she was supposed to be there so that she could teach me. And so I started training with her after my fifth baby was born about six months afterwards. And so it was just interesting how God works for me because in this circumstance, I didn't know what was, what a home birth midwife. I didn't know. There were so many things I didn't know. She taught me so many things. There were things like when I was in labor, I was like, aren't you going to check me? And she was like, baby, I don't need to check you. Your body knows when it needs to be, when the baby needs to be delivered and will push. So I was like freaking out. And next thing you know, it felt like, you know, the old cassette players where you press the eject button and the thing pops out. It's felt like someone pushed the button and the baby flew right out. She didn't I love that. Oh my and then, gosh. And then my husband, she said, get over here, get your, she said, Brian, get your ass over here and catch your baby. <laughs> he came right. He was like, cause he didn't know what to do. Cause in the hospital, right. babies, he's always standing in the corner. Right. Not doing nothing. Right. He's not Check. even involved. Right. So he came and he caught our baby. So he, we both, that was the first time after I delivered a child that we both looked at each other and were like, we got to do this again. It was so sacred. It was so special. We had our children around the pool. I was in a pool and I bought a little kitty pool because I was like, I'm going to do this in this pool. I didn't know they made home birth, you know, tubs, but I bought a kitty pool and I was like, okay, this is in our bedroom. We're going to do this. I learned so much. And it was like, I just kept thinking there's so many things that people don't tell you about in birth. There's so much knowledge that's gone. There's so much. And I've learned I've been to so many births and I learned from every single one of them. And I take that knowledge with me to the next person. But of course, I mean, I've done it before myself, but now I know, now I know what a woman needs to hear to help her get through the process. I know how the body functions. I know the process. I know when it's early labor and you don't need to go nowhere, but home, just stay home and eat, relax. You need to get some sleep. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to want to tell you this, not to boss you around, but because we're a team. Mm -hmm. So you're calling me, if my client is calling me and asking, like, you know, telling me this is happening, I'm like, hey, all right, this is the time that we start. Let's get serious. Are you eating? You know, throughout the whole process, we really get to know you. We really get to know your diet. We get to know your relationships because let me tell you, if you have a traumatic relationship or an abusive relationship, that shit comes up in the birth every time. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, that is something that we absolutely, especially culturally, you know, as black folks that we believe like that your baby feels all of those things and is born with all of those things. Like, and, and I think that that is one thing that's saved because my husband and I, and y'all know this, I said this before, have such a beautiful, like a relationship that I never, I didn't know they existed is what I'm living through. And I think that that is what saved my daughter because the trauma of everything else, if we, if I had been going through those things at home as well, she would have, I, baby, I don't know what would have happened. Listen, Esme, I need to, I need, I really need to cut you off because I, I promise you finna have me in here having five more kids. I'm not finna do this with you. I'm not gonna play with you, Esme. Call me. I'm not finna play with you. I'm finna fly you out. Don't play with me. I'm finna be like, baby, I'll baby, come. daddy. I'll come. I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> I'm like, baby, daddy. Esme got me one me. Want me having a whole football team over here because I feel empowered. Even to be like, you need to know. <laughs> you just need to know that your body knows what it's doing. The baby yes. works with you too. You, you know just what? have to know that your body is actually normal and not mm-hmm. be told that oh, there's something wrong with you. Right. You just have to know even even at your four foot eleven self, girl, you can do this. <laughs> girl, you know my mother. One thing um, that you said that reminded me, my mom was like. 
um, with my sister. Um, so my mom had my sister at 14, 15 years old. Um, and so again, you know, not knowing much, I mean, it, I don't think that even matters about the age. We don't know anything. We have these kids. I was 26, seven, I don't know how old I was, but, um, and I didn't know. And so what's crazy though, is my mom said she had an epidural with my sister and then she had a vaginal birth and she said never again. She, but again, this was almost 50 years ago. My sister's like almost, she's like 47, 48. And so, um, my mom, was saying, uh, you know, God rest her soul. She was saying how she never had an epidural after my sister. And what she said was, she said, you know, you have these contractions and it feels like it feels horrible. It feels like your entire body's ripping open. Right. But she said, once that child gets through the birthing canal, like it hits that spot, you're it's, it's different. And she said, but we don't, we don't, we don't wait till we get to that spot because the real pain is the contractions. And I'm like, how are you going to tell me something coming out of you is not the part that hurts. And she's like, Felicia, I promise you, I'm I'm telling you. Everybody has their own favorite part of birth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Majority of the time women are like, I hated the contractions, but I loved the pushing, the pushing, like when the delivery, because it's like, oh, now you've, because the contractions are involuntary. They're just going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. But with the pushing, you can work with your body. Now you have a little bit more power and a little more say, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, but let me tell you something, though. A woman who knows how to breathe through her contractions will mm. tell you that it was beautiful. If you can embrace every single surge that goes through your body with a full deep breath and allow the expansion to occur. So if you can embrace everything, every single wave that you experience with an with an engaged breath it's a different it's a whole nother ball game a whole nother ball game let me tell you your breath is the only thing you can really control during your birth process you can breathe your baby down breathe mm. your baby out i've done it i've had women do it because they trust the process and they know it's going to be intense but they can control that breath they can get their space their mental space that's cleared they can get into that um, space where they can feel safe. Um, let me tell you something really fast. So when I delivered the surrogate baby, it was back in 2020, it was the height of the, the beginning of the pandemic here. Um, and the family was very insistent that I don't birth their baby at my house or their house. They were like, we want the baby born in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a home birth midwife. I try to fight him and fight him on it. But at the same time, it was like, that's their baby. It was not my genetics. That's your baby. I'm doing you a favor. So I will honor that. They did pay me a little bit more for that. But at the same time, that's not the point. The point is this. I said, I will labor at home for as long as I can. And I'm not going to go to the hospital until I need to push the baby out. That was a compromise. So I labored and labored at home. Then that, that evening was pretty um, fast labor. The water broke. And then about, about 9 p.m., I ended up going to the hospital. No, was, no, actually, I got to the hospital a little bit later. Probably around 10 or something like that. I don't know. So... Before I went to the hospital, the midwife checked me, my friend, my midwife trainer, Selena, she checked me. She's like, okay, you're nine centimeters. You're good to go. I was like, all right, I'm walking to the hospital. This day about to fall out. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I was so done with being pregnant, you know, and I'm like grateful because I don't have to bring the baby home to nurse the baby all night. It's not my baby. So <laughs> I went to the hospital and I'm like, trying to listen to my body. I'm like, okay. She said I was nine centimeters. Why am I not dilating? So I got there. I'm like, I'm, I'm nine centimeters. Let's go. I'm ready. You know, but when you walk into the hospital, it's a completely different setting. There's no, no, no low lights. Right. There's bright lights. Right. There's people that I didn't know, mm-hmm. not my midwife that I worked with. 
Then on top of that, they've got to give me IV. They can't find my veins. So I'm getting shot in my arms like four or five times. Um, and it's like, they're asking you 20 questions all at the same time. I said, can someone just check me so this baby can come out? So I was, you know, I wanted to be done. She went in and checked me. I was four centimeters. I was pissed. I started. So you went from nine to four, you closed up. Yes. It's called cervical recoil. And it's a real thing. When a woman doesn't feel safe, her cervix will shut down. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Or won't completely dilate. And that's a real thing. So, you know, sometimes if I'm at a home birth and a woman is like seven or eight centimeters and she has to transport and they check and they're like, oh, you're only like three or four. It's it's a thing like the fear or the, the transition, because there's another thing called oxytocin. And when you're in the hospital, you want low lights all the time because the oxytocin is what causes these hormones. Oxytocin is a shy, is a shy hormone and it causes the contractions, right, to occur. So you're in this bright setting and you've got like no more desire for your body to produce this hormone. And so I kicked everybody out of that room. And I said, everybody needs to leave the room. And my husband was there. He, he, he's great to be present. He just is not a good doula, but he needs to be present <laughs> at all my birth. I'm like, you can't touch me, but you need to be right here. You're not right. going anywhere, but don't touch me because the pressure is wrong when he does it, but he has to be there. So I was like, just, just be there. So he called the midwife and he had her, he had her on the phone and she's just talking me through stuff. And she's like, I said, I want the epidural. I want the epidural. She's like, Esme, what would you tell your clients? I was so mad. I was like, oh, I know. I just got to do it. Right. So. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's not even my baby. Why am I doing this? So I just right. went out. Like it was beautiful up until, but I got mad. So I kicked everybody out the room, went to the bathroom, turned down the lights, was sitting in the tub and I was just breathing in the tub, just relaxing. It, it was the worst experience of my life. It was like my body didn't want to open, but I literally had to fight my body to open, right? At mm. home, my body opened well, perfect. And I could have delivered that baby at home, but my body was like, well, you don't have to figure out how you're doing this in the hospital. Because in the hospital, I had never done it without an epidural. Right. My body automatically was like, get the medicine. Anyways, so I came out of the tub. I said, they were like, okay, let's check you again. When they checked me, I had gotten to seven centimeters. So I'd gotten from nine down to four, then up to seven. So I was like, you know, I'm cussing under my breath. Like, I gotta do this all over again. You know? So in my head, as I'm praying, I pray through all my labors. Mine, yours, everybody's. I'm praying for every birth. You know, I'm talking. It. I love it. So I'm praying. And all I hear in my mind is just breathe. Just breathe. And I did the biggest breath. I took this deep breath and it felt like my whole body just ripped open. And all of a sudden, this baby just comes flying through. So I went oh from my seven gosh. to delivering the baby in four minutes. Four minutes with the breath. The breath expanded my cervix, opened me right up. And this is what I do with my mamas when they're birthing. I'm just like, you've got to get to this place where you're, it's a, it's a scary place. I'm going to tell you, it's a scary place. But if you can get to that point where you trust enough to breathe deep enough and open up, your body opens beautifully. And so that is my thing. Like if I can encourage everybody to trust her breath and use Mm -hmm. that breath to guide you, it's like, it's magic. It's magic. I can't, yeah. I can't describe it. So like, that's another one of my favorite parts is just being able to get the woman to like, listen and open up and, oh, there's so many. And of course the babies, like holding the babies. I love babies. It's like, oh my gosh. 
You're not finna have me on here having 10 more kids. You're just not as an A. Let me, I'm finna ask okay, you one more question because you're not. Maybe one. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. Um, and then we'll close up. But this has brought so much healing to my soul as an A. Like, and I hope that whoever is listening, that you have found healing in this or watching, like I hope you have found healing in this because that is what you have done for me, right? And you have instilled knowledge. Like, and the beautiful thing about knowledge is that it doesn't have to be for you. When you have it, it can be for other people, right? Because as, as I always say, each one teach one, right? So yeah. you've been taught today and there might be someone around you that needs this knowledge and needs this healing and I hope that you know you all will share that but this is the last thing I'm going to ask you as an A one I just love you you're so beautiful inside and out like you have you you have killed it today like I have enjoyed every second of this connecting to the roots and being taught like thank you thank you what advice would you give to any mother birthing person um that is pregnant, trying to get pregnant, whatever, like what is the, what, what advice would you give them? Okay. I love this question. It's a, it's a, it's a, a great question because the advice I'm going to give you is, is you may not always get this advice, but it's like, find out all the things. Mm. I know everything, right? But don't just go to your OB to find out. Find a doula. Trust and then um, find a doula and also find a, a midwife and compare. So, okay, one of the really important things for me to say to you is your birthing space is yours. Make it as sacred and safe as possible. So if you feel like the person in that room, whether it be your mother, your father, like your partner is not supportive of your birth choices, get them out of that room. They don't need to be in that room with you because you are so vulnerable in the moment of birth that anybody in that room telling you, oh my gosh, this is not good. This isn't right. This is scary. I don't, this is you know, going to affect your birth. birth. It, it affects, it impacts. I've had to kick, we've had people who are like, you know, no, you can't be at the birth. You could come after and feed her after the baby is born. Absolutely. But if that person doesn't contribute to the way you want to birth, get them out of there. Um, even if it's an OB, don't be afraid to switch an OB last minute. If they start the fear tactic, if they start saying, oh, your baby might die, or you might die, or this and this and that, if they're not willing to work with you, get rid of them. Find somebody that's willing to work with you and listens to you and trusts you and helps you to trust yourself. And find mm-hmm. somebody that understands the difference um, between like, I mean, because, you know, sometimes you get midwives that kind of are, I mean, that can, that can be dishonest. I mean, there's always dishonest at everything, but you want to get somebody who's going to be upfront and, and truthful with you and is going to tell you, what are we going to do in case of emergencies? What does it look like if we have to transport? You want transparency. You want somebody that's going to ask you all the questions that, that you feel that you can open up to them. Because mm. it's kind of funny, like we become almost like, not therapists, but you know, we talk about the things. We talk about lovemaking with your partner. We talk about using extra lube after you've delivered the baby and you're, you're ready to get back to making love. And we talk about if you're not comfortable, then don't do it. But you want that person to tell you that you are still beautiful, that you are incredible and tell you how incredible of a job you did in every step of this journey, right? Mm-hmm. So don't let anybody in your, in your space that's gonna bring you down. Don't let them in your space. Uh, moms can be hard to be around during birth because um, the generation of moms before us went through traumatizing birth or mm. 
they didn't get to experience natural birth because that, that it wasn't the thing then, you know? So it kind of like, there's this generational gap where it's like, they don't know what you're doing and that's okay that they don't know. They can learn, they can go watch YouTube videos of home birth videos. I have a family that just came over and the mom was telling her daughter how she thought it was gross and, and that babies need to be born in a sterile environment. And the daughter said, you can't be at my birth. I'm mm. sorry. She came, the mother came from, uh, they came from Japan just so she could be at the birth of her, but she thought she was birthing the baby in the hospital. And she's like, no, I'm birthing the baby at home. And so the mother finally, after having a conversation with her daughter, realized what the daughter wanted to achieve with the home birth and was like, okay, well, I will keep my mouth shut. Uh, you know, it's like, right. it's so important that you have the right people around you. You And if you can't afford a midwife, get a doula. Ask people about the doula. Ask people about the midwife. Ask them about the OB because the truth will come out. You'll find some stuff that you're like, oh, you don't want them. Right. You know what I mean? So if you can't afford a midwife, get a doula. Go in the hospital with the doula. Um, make sure that you guys have a solid birth plan, solid birth plan that, you know, if you want the delayed cord clamping, get that delayed cord clamping. If you want the skin to skin right away, get it. If you don't want them to take your baby away from you right away, you can get those things, right? But before you make any decision, informed consent, everything that that they want to do, you you make sure you know what they're talking about. It's the best way. It's like, because if not, they'll do whatever they feel like to you and they'll get away with it. Amen. As an A, I love you. Like, oh, just so, like, just all my heart and soul, like you have preached today, you have taught, you have uplifted, you have inspired, you have educated, um, you've done all the things that is my, that, that are my goals for this podcast, right? Um, I hope everyone listening has felt the same way because this information was so informative, right? Um, as an A, I hope you just, I mean, when you said, you know, you've done 200 births. I just, I was like, oh, she, okay. She knows some stuff. Let me go and listen. Right. (laughs) But I just, I appreciate you um, being willing because y'all, she told me in the beginning, just real quick. She was like, I was like, okay, we got to turn our phones off for this. And she's like, well, listen, I might have a birth at any minute. So like, and I'm like, oh yeah, I forget. Like you're really important. So she had to like, keep that on, you know, um, because her job as a midwife never ends, right? You can, it doesn't matter what time it is, two, three o'clock in the morning. Babies like, come whenever they want. Baby, I got a yes, shirt they do. Says it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I love that. So again, um, I just want to say thank you. I love you. Thanks. Like you are just the most beautiful person inside and out. So thank you for coming on today and sharing all this information. I just, I'm, I, I just love you. You're great. It was, it was an honor. Thank you for inviting me to really talk about what I love and I really hope that it does touch people and that women start to understand how powerful they really are. So we are good. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Hey guys, you just listened to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps with your host, Felicia Jimenez. Um, Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, As you already know, our goal is to each one teach one. So until next time.